mainstream media outlets do not cater for the needs of you as a Muslim. There are topics which they will completely ignore, for example, the hijab ban that is happening in India, the Islamophobia that Muslim women all over in the West are facing. They don't even report Palestine or Syria in a balanced manner. So through my podcast and my YouTube channel, I discuss the topics specifically related to Muslim women that Muslim media sometimes as well, particular mainstream popular culture will not discuss. Topics like critiquing feminism, topics such as the number of hijab bands, niqab bands that are happening in India, in France, in Canada. These are challenges that Muslim women are facing and I'm going to keep continuing to shine a light on these topics. So inshallah I would love your help and support in continuing to create this content for Muslim women which is challenging the very negative Islamophobic narrative that we are being given. I think as a Muslim creator we should be producing content that is Islamic, that is well researched and provides hope to Muslim women and men that as Muslims when we see an evil we can change it with our hand, we can speak about it or we can hate it in our heart and I think some of us are able to create videos and podcasts and others who are not able to do that like yourself you can support that work as well and gain in the reward inshallah by contributing and supporting to my patreon page the link is in the description below inshallah may Allah reward you and please do the well for all the muslims around the world that we can continue to challenge this islamophobic narrative but always remember that Allah is with the righteous Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim. My name is Farhat Amin. Inshallah, I hope you're well. Um, this season, I'm speaking about um, how to reclaim your Muslim mindset. And so what that means is that I'm going to be taking issues, usually controversial topics that um, m- the Muslim community living in the UK and US that they find challenging and don't know how to deal with. I'm looking at those kind of topics and really saying what should be the Muslim, the Islamic mindset on this, rather than just adopting, you know, whatever's popular and whatever's politically correct, which is, I totally understand, I've done it in the past, which is much easier to do. The topic is the is the prom night and is it really okay for Muslims to go to prom? Now, interestingly, I wonder if anyone's really worrying about this now in the lockdown situation that we're in. And but we know that this is a big deal for um, teenagers, Muslim and non-Muslim. So for some Muslim parents, in particular, prom night and dating are complicated topics. There's dancing between the genders, the implication of alcohol, and what will hap- what happens after the prom ends, and revealing dresses. For others, it's not so big of a deal. And when I I wrote an article on this, and it's on my website. And I got a lot of replies from parents mainly about this that and they varied between those two views that what what's the big deal? You're overcomplicating this and you're if we don't let our children go, then they will rebel and do things behind our back. It's better that even if they're dating someone, you know, taking them to the prom, at least they're Muslim. There was that view. And then on the other hand, parents had the concern that, well, is this her, you know, they're asking a question, is this allowed? You know, the, the first question, is it allowed? Is it haram? 
what should I, um, if I am going to, how do I deal with the pressure that my a child faces to go? Um, you know, so th- these were the two. And, and then what's interesting, some gave some really creative solutions to how to um, talk to your child. And then, well, they're not really a child, are they, by then? They're, te- they're young adults. Um, and alternatives to the prom. Um, so now I'm going to look at this into first part of this is I'm looking at putting my teacher's hat on and I'm going to share with you observations where as a high school teacher what I saw regarding the prom and the really the implications it has on students education so let's look at let's look at this first <coughs> so I call this the prom distraction now um, in the final year of high school it's stressful yeah, our kids, um, you know, kids are working hard. They're spending hours researching subjects. Um, and it's, you know, there's a priority they should have. However, what I noticed in all the schools I taught at was that schools, this is in UK, and I don't know what it's like in US. Maybe you guys could let me know. Um, I've got a feeling it's the same thing, that you would have a committee who would organise the prom and they would fundraise for the prom and they had to organise the decorations and the theme. Now, this this committee would be, um, they were so committed to their work because they could be the most clever kids in the year or they could not be, you know, really varied. But the school would put so much time and energy into organising the prom and I just never understood this is their final year. They're supposed to be focusing on studying, on revising, and you've got the kids doing that. I, I just couldn't believe it. And when I would talk to the students, say, "Why are you doing this?" and they were they had been sold this dream of the prom that it was going to be this amazing one night, and it has to be magical, and it has to be um, amazing. And if they don't make it amazing, they're going to be criticized for it and people say that they threw such a rubbish party and I just thought for goodness sake will you just do your homework and hand it in to me you know I don't give a damn about the prom and really trying to get say to explain to them that this prom is just one night and it will you'll forget it pretty quick um and this was in you know I taught in girls schools only I talked in mixed schools and I was other teachers um some other teachers were they were quite surprised as well that they just don't understand why the schools are doing this. Um, now, in in UK now, so the question is, um, let, let's just look at look at about the money, how how much this costs. Now, you know this whole idea of you know our children have been duped into thinking prom. Okay, it's a magical evening, the ne- the night when geeks become beauty queens, and sixteen year old girls feel like whoever the latest pop star. <clears throat> or social media star is sauntering down the red carpet with all eyes on them. That's how the movies tell it to them. That that's where they've got the idea. So there's there's popular culture. Like that's number one. But you all we also need to realise that popular culture is fueled by the ideas and values that prevail in society. So we've got we live in very liberal, progressive societies and having, you know, these um having dances and having um, relationships that's all seen as that that's a good thing that's what teenagers and young people should be doing you know we should encourage this they should find love and they should experience things so they're the two things that are pushing this on all children 
And if you're not doing these things, if you're not dancing, listening to music, having the time of your life, there's something wrong with you, yeah? And then you need to understand, <clears throat> that's what our children are living in. Yeah, that's the environment. And so I grew up watching all these movies. So there was Pretty in Pink. There was, oh sugar, I can't remember. I, I know, I'm sure you guys can think of more. Um, you know, even Stranger Things, the, the latest Netflix thing, they had at a very young age, they had that dance. Oh, Back to the Future, of course. So, you know, imagine I grew up with all of these things. You probably did and your kids are. But um, I think uh, what's interesting is 20, 30 years ago, um, it was Muslim child parents knew that this is, they were, because this didn't happen back home. And so if our parents were immigrants, they came here. They didn't let our they didn't let us do this. My parents, alhamdulillah, would never have let me go to a mixed dance. I went to an all-girls school. So I'll tell you something really funny. Our last um, our last day of school was um, the canteen. The tables and chairs were moved. It was just all girls. And there was none of this fancy, there were no fancy dresses. Uh, and there was just a karaoke, which actually, when I think about it, the teachers just hogged that mainly, and doing Elvis. Um, and... So it was very basic. So that, I'm not saying that was even a good thing, but it, the the whole, you know, um, it hadn't been monetized. It hadn't been turned into this big money-making scheme, which it is now. And if we just look that, um, I'll give you a few statistics here. Um, so now, unheard of in Britain 15 years ago, the prom is now the glamorous highlight of the year of thousands of school leavers over-the-top passing out celebrations for year 11 students, that's the either aged 15 to 16, and year 13, that's A-level, aged 16, 17 to 18, have become the norm, causing an untold amount of anxiety to students and financial difficulty for parents. More than 85% of schools in Britain now hold school proms, which range from boat parties to tailor-made extravaganzas. I'm just thinking of the um, proms that organised my local area and they were actually still, you know, you have this whole idea of um, coming in a limousine, you know. Um, oh, sorry, I was going to give you some figures. Right. Um, let's Now, the cost of one night of prom fun are shocking. A recent visa survey showed that in 2015, so these figures are a bit old, the average American family spent $919 per attendee on prom night. That's from promaholics.com. What a name. Um, a site devoted to all things prom states, choosing a dress from for prom is up there with choosing a wedding dress. Oh my goodness. According to Go Compare, the average cost of a UK parent in 2015, for a UK parent, in 2015 was £190. That's up 23% from 2013. So what we're seeing here is it, this isn't cheap. The The cost is going higher and higher, you know, fueled by the whole, um, you know, um, comp um, envy culture and comparing yourself to wanting to live up to role models of, that are, that are posting everything online to, to make you jealous. So that that's, again, so again, so there's the, right, there's the effect on our um, kids' studies. There's the cost, 
yeah, this extravagant cost that's going higher and higher. Now, um, this whole, this, this fantasy, you know, and it is, that this is the, um, it's quite hard when to, for, you have to imagine for a teenager with, everyone's talking about in school, you've then got it on social media, so they're seeing it on social media, they've then got the movies, <coughs> so you know, this from fantasy of its, um, you know, is, is pretty big. So the allure and allure and characteristic red carpet look, long fox and limousines that are synonymous with proms comes not only from a lifelong diet of banal Hollywood teen movies and soaps, but also from a money-orientated world where schoolgirls and schoolboys measure themselves against film stars and football players. Proms are an incitement to celebrity fantasy they disingenuously give our kids the chance to be a movie star for the evening. However, now this is the thing, this is what you need to ask yourself. Do you want your teenager to aspire to being a superficial, self-absorbed celeb? Th that is really what the essence of it is. Yeah, that, that's one thing I'd really like us to think about. And I think if you're come if you have come to the conclusion that no, I don't want to send my let my young adult you know child go to the prom these are the kind of conversations I think you need to have with them like very honest and making them say look realize look I know exactly what is going on here and this is what is happening is this what you want your life to be yeah you have to deconstruct and this is what I'm saying about the Muslim building the Muslim mindset before we can build our Islamic mindset <clears throat> we have to deconstruct what's already in there and um and i think this this doesn't just apply to proms really it any mixed dancing mu you know music orientated ga gathering that even we may attend let that whether that's weddings or you know the men these that are mixed this these apply to all of these things kind of um gatherings that we encourage prom is just one example you know I we we have to kind of we have to be more intelligent here. So, as we know, exam stress is a necessary evil. You know, a bit of stress does is quite a good thing. You know, I, I, would students? I know my students would not study unless they know this exam at the end of it. Just just look at what's happened now. That all exams in the UK have been cancelled. You know, the A levels and GCSEs are suddenly kids are now like well, okay what well, I'm not I'm not going to study anymore I'm not, they weren't learning for the sake of learning were they they were stay, doing it for the sake of a test and now like yippee I'm I'm not going to pick up my books anymore um so exam stress is like I said it's a necessary evil for a limited amount of time prom stress is a headache that our kids should not have to deal with as, as I mentioned, I'm, I used to be a high school teacher. You know, GCSEs have now become more difficult to pass. So naturally, students need to focus more time and energy studying. Therefore, it makes, makes no sense for schools to encourage students to waste their lunch times organising bake sales for the prom. Yeah, I never, I know for a fact schools will, they would not listen if I had said this to them because 
it's like no they, it's, it's a culture isn't it that they live that they know there has to be some big party the way you celebrate the end of something is to have a big party um but let's just have a look at the results of this it's no wonder that uk students are stuck in educational doldrums according to the Influ- influential pisa report that stands for the program for international student assessment I'm not saying this is the problem is the only reason. I, I'm just saying it's a factor. Uh, so the P, um, PISA is undertaken once every three years and tests 15-year-olds' ability <clears throat> in the core academic disciplines of reading, maths and science. Launched in 2000, around 540,000 students from... 72 countries took part in PISA in 2015. The UK results were abysmal. Science, they were 15th place, reading 21st and maths 27th. Okay, right, that seven, out of 72 countries. Yeah, that's not good. Do you think that the parents of the high school students in Singapore, China or Finland, these countries were in the top 10 rankings would let their kids squander their time a few months before their GCSE exams mm, the answer is no <laughs> we already know that yeah, so even um, so I'm just having put the argument about academically the prom is not good for our kids and our students so now let's move on to because it's interesting when I was doing research for this there are non-Muslim parents who feel exactly the same and mainly they've got an issue academically but all you know they're so this idea that everyone's doing it everyone goes to the prom yeah if I don't go then you know oh my god my life will be over and well that's nonsense I remember that my daughter what actually this is this is sad my daughter and son, as as I'm sure you're aware, they didn't go to the prom. Um, my third son wouldn't have gone either. He'd already decided that one, alhamdulillah. And um, one of the only, not one of the only, one girl that I know of, that my daughter's friends that didn't go, she was a Hindu girl and she was very, her parents were very academic. But also they, they had religious reasons. They said, no, this goes against when our beliefs. We're not going to go. We're not let our daughter go and she didn't go. Whereas majority of Muslim children, they went, yeah. And I think that's what actually kind of shocked me that these, so I knew some of the parents, them, you know, the parents are Islamically minded, but they still let their um, kids go to the prom. But unfortunately, what is really sad is um, some, of the, some of them had boyfriends and girlfriends and went, and their parents weren't aware of it. I think that was the bigger tragedy that um, they'd said to them, no, I'm going to, I'm just going to go with my friends, my, my girlfriends in a limousine. Um, and yeah, they went with their, they had boyfriends. They, they went for the, you know, in the prom, you have the king, is it the king and the queen of prom? Something like that. They went for, they, they went for that. They wanted to be crowned. That's it. The prom king and queen. I'm probably saying this wrong. But okay, so let's take a look at right, what does Islam says say about attending prom. So, um, okay, so having taken the time to study the iron hadith relating to socialising Islam, because this is what it comes under, um, 
I personally cannot find any Islamic evidence to say teenagers um, who no longer see themselves as school kids, you know, these are mature, they've reached puberty, that in Islam they cannot, we're not allowed to go to mixed parties looking absolutely gorgeous with or without hijab where couples will be dancing, flirting, and etc. And you know the rest. Every Muslim knows that having a relationship or prom day, even just for one night, is haram. Okay? Let's be really clear about that. I, I'm... Um, there's this idea about... Um, okay, don't judge. You don't know what someone's intention is. Um, there's also this idea of... Um, I think, you know, I c the idea you can have some kind of personalised version of Islam, that's being very disingenuous. You're, you know, I, I think we all know that now. Um, so as, as we all know, Islam is a way of life and therefore it has comp comprehensive social laws. Yeah, whether we, it's up to us to find out the, those rules that regulate the relationship between men and women which aim to direct and restrict the fulfillment of desires to marriage alone. Yeah, that's where we fulfill our desires. These social rules also include the Islamic dress code, the prohibition of unrelated men and women being alone together. There's hadith about that. If there's two people alone, the third will be shaitan, as well as the prohibition of free mixing of the genders and intimate relationships outside marriage. You know, the fact that we have this, this hadood punishments for, you know, um, having a relationship outside of marriage, that shows how important it is to not go near these things. Uh, these laws have a tangible positive outcome upon society of protecting the family unit and the rights of children, as well as ensuring healthy interaction between men and women that is productive and not cheapened nor hindered by romantic distractions. Yeah, so we we have a system, um, you know, an alternative to the the dating scene and the you know the the you know flirting and the mixing that happens. So I just want to have a look at the idea of mixed, um, you know, are mixed school dances allowed in Islam? And really, that any kind of mixed men and women together dancing, music on, is that allowed? Okay, when the Prophet ﷺ saw men and women mingling when they were leaving the mosque, he ordered them to separate and even made different entrances for the genders in the mosque to ensure separation. He ﷺ organised separate classes to teach men and women about Islam. For the prayers, the Messenger ﷺ arranged men and women into separate lines and women would leave the mosque before the men in order to prevent their mixing. Now, Umm Salama, the wife of the Prophet ﷺ, narrated, Whenever Allah's Apostle completed the prayer with the Salim, the women used to get up immediately and Allah's Apostle would remain at his place and so would the men who prayed with him. That's reported by Al-Bukhari. Okay, so these evidences, what um, you know, there's the exa the example of the, this separation. That that's what I mean by the evidences. You know, the actual practical example, Sunnah of the Prophet was to separate the men and women. Yeah, these evidences establish the general norm in Islam is that men and women are obliged to separate. 
but then there are clear exceptions prescribed in the Quran and Sunnah of where they are permitted to meet and interact for a clearly defined purpose. Okay, so for example, in education, seeking of medical care, trade, accounting the ruler, raising their political opinions within society, and so on. So hence, gender separation is a well-known and important Islamic tradition that is part of everyday life within Muslim communities, practicing mosques, Islamic weddings, Muslim schools and homes. Now, that you, I would encourage you to research this further that don't please don't just take my word for it that find out yeah is is this true that do we generally separate and then there are specific times for a purpose we allowed muslim men and women can be um in company together but even then you have to take into account there would be the in an islamic society the you know there'd be the rules of covering taking place as well um so that that's the norm um but the the norm is not what we're living in today and this is this is where the um, complications happen. That we're, of course, we're not living in an Islamic society. So the norm is everyone is mixing and everyone's very free, and then um, it's hard to and not be affected by that. But what what we have to to we have to remind ourselves. Okay, what is our what is the norm that Allah has set for us, and that's the norm that I'm going to go for. Yeah. Now. Um, Let's just now look at the whole idea of, um, you know, that as a Muslim, we do not, we're instructed to not approach zina. Yeah, now this is quite a really strong um, commandment that we're given. Now, zina, which is adultery or fornication, does not refer only to the physical act. Rather, there is the zina of the hand, which is touching that which is forbidden, and the zina of the eyes, which is looking at that which is forbidden. And so, again, let's think of the environment of a prom. Um, some people, um, what, what are they, I've, I've had a number of different reasons people say it's okay. And some will say that, look, um, I'm just, I'm just going to be going, I'm going with my friends, they could be my Muslim friends, you know, we could even be in hijab. Um, and we're just going to be on a table on our own. We're not going to dance with any girls or any boys. If we do dance, we'll only dance with our friends. And that's that's the way it's packaged and given to parents, yeah. And um, but let's be honest. Based on the, let's just listen to this hadith that it was narrated from Abu Huraira that the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam said, "Allah has decreed for every son of Adam his share of zina." He will ine- that which he will inevitably commit. The zina of the eyes is looking, the zina of the tongue is speaking. One may wish and desire, and the private parts confirm that or deny it. That's narrated by Al-Bukhari. So in an, in an environment like with the POM, um, what, will we, what would we be looking at? What would we be touching? What would we be hearing? What would be, what kind of music would the DJ be playing? You know, what's everyone going to be speaking about? You know, come on, we we know what what will happen. Um, there you may not go, even if you don't go with a date, there'll be people there as couples. And what will they inevitably be doing? The whole point of it is to encourage, you know, um, this idea of 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 being in love and being romantic. Now then, there's um, um, 
in Surah Al-Isra, that's Surah 17, Ayah 32, this very famous um, uh, um, ayah that says, and among, and come not near, and come not near to unlawful sex. It is of Fahisha, I, anything that transgresses its limits, um, that basic shamelessness, it's a great sin and an evil that leads one to hell unless Allah forgives forgives us. So we're told not to come near to sinner, yeah? Um, so looking at that which is forbidden, so if we're told not to come near it, if we're, we put ourselves or actually our children attend a, a prom, that would you not agree that is going near to sinner? Yeah, that, that so if we sh- we have to not even go near it. Yes, yeah? so stay away from, um, from it, and um, and looking at that which is forbidden is one of the arrows of shaitan which leads a person to, unfortunately, to hellfire. Even if he did not do it intentionally at first, because what you need to realize when shaitan he um, he ropes us in. You know, it's it's suggestion, suggestion, whispering, whispering until no one goes and commits sinner straight away it there's a pathway to it you take one step at a time towards it and as we know shaitan says that he will wait for us you know he said this to he promised you know subhanallah he promised allah in surah al-araf that i will come to before you know behind them in front of them you know to the right to the left and this is what we have to be aware of we have to be intelligent about this not emotional and um, and then the other very famous um, ayah that says, tell the believing men to lower their gaze from looking at forbidden things and protect their private parts. That is pure for them. Verily, Allah is all aware of what they do. That's Surah Nur. Um, that's uh, Surah 24, ayah 30 to 31. So again, if we look at how Allah connects the issue of lowering the gaze with the issue of protecting the private parts, i.e. Guard, guarding one's chastity in these verses, and how lowering the gaze is mentioned first before protecting the private parts because the eyes influence the heart. That is that is so true. Um, so we mustn't... So when, you know, people, like I said in the beginning, people justify that I'm not going to go and do anything bad. But even the what has our... Um, measure and our gauge for what is bad has become so defined by the liberal societies that we're living in but we need to change our measurement the hadith like this that's our measurement for what is chaste and what is good and what is bad not not what we see around us not the movies not the you know so some might think oh I'm not going to get drunk that's bad I'm not going to go and go with someone afterwards after prom that's bad no no that's that's like the worst thing we have to stop us uh, we have to protect our children from the the smallest thing the first step so my advice as parents we have to take responsibility seriously you know there's a very famous hadith um about each of you is by narrated by abdullah bin umar who said the prophet sallallahu said each of you is a shepherd and each of you is responsible for his flock the Amir ruler who is over the pe- uh, who is over the people is a shepherd and is responsible for his flock. 
A man is a shepherd in charge of the inhabitants of his household and he is responsible for his flock. A woman is a shepherdess in charge of her husband's house and children and she is responsible for them. So each of you is a shepherd and each of you is responsible for his flock. And also Allah says in Surah so 66, Ayah 6, O you who believe, save yourselves and your families from a fire whose fuel is men and stones. Over it are angels stern and strong. They do not disobey Allah and he commands them and do as they are commanded. Uh, now I'm just going to point out another thing which uh, this is this is a really um this is a new phenomena uh, the muslim pop prom dress yeah <laughs> we know muslim teenagers face immense peer pressure to follow the crowd and it doesn't help girls in particular i'm i haven't checked out muslim youtubers but when fame hungry and i this is it fame hungry Muslim YouTubers misguide them with how to hijabify your prom dress and get ready with me for prom turban tutorial. Um, there's more, I'm sure there are, but parents shouldn't, so you've got that as well, which is goodness me, as if our kids haven't got enough to deal with. They've got people like that encouraging them. They're just making, it's, you know, they, they want the clicks, they want the advertising money from YouTube and you think, my goodness, what a, ch how, no, um, what's the word? Poverty of ambition, that's the word. Non-Muslims do that, so Muslims will copy and think, come on, please, g give us some, <laughs> some more original content, will you? But that's, that's what our kids are facing. But parents shouldn't give in. This is it, we have to be strong. Don't give in to emotional blackmail that contradicts Islam either. Our kids may not have enough experience to appreciate the wisdom of the ayah, Surah 2, Ayah 216. But perhaps you hate a thing and it is good for you, and perhaps you love a thing and it is bad for you. And Allah knows while you know not. But as we do, but uh, sorry, but we do, you know, we do, sorry, <laughs> I got confused. We do have that experience it's our duty to explain why going to mixed prom is haram our kids will plead it's just a harmless school party it's the last time i will see my classmates there won't be any alcohol and the food will be halal that's that's exactly what um was at my daughter's prom which she did not attend but that but that mindset shows that our kids think islam is just a bunch of dietary rules and clothing rules you know if that's the case we have to spend time talking about our core beliefs yeah why we believe in Allah why the Quran is the word of Allah and the Prophet Sallallahu life is the example we follow we don't want our kids to be like the people mentioned in this ayah Surah 6 ayah 70 and leave alone those who take their religion as play and amusement and are deceived by the life of this world but remind them with it the Quran lest a people be given up to destruction for that which he has earned, when he will find for himself no protector or intercessor besides Allah, and even if he offers every ransom, it will not be accepted from him. Such are they who are given up to destruction because of that which they have earned. We don't want our kids to be in that situation. And I think now that we're, if you're listening to this during lockdown, now is the time you have got your children in the house 
these are the conversations you need to have with them. If they don't understand, they don't get it, you need to start talking to them about the fundamentals. You know, not in a, I know it's hard, they're going to be weird, they're not going to want to listen, but you, if you're not going to do it now, you you know, it's now or never really, when else will you do it? So, you know, you're going to have those, have that frank conversation. And um, I think there is a, um, the dilemma you face is if you let your teenager go to this party, then they will expect to go to the next party and the next party and the even worse party. That That's what will happen. That that I'm, I'm just saying it as it is. You're opening the floodgates and you won't have a leg to stand on when you, when they're saying, I will you let me go to the prom, what's wrong with me going at my friends? It's the same friends that went to the prom. I'm going to see them at this party. Yeah. And also this may be uncomfortable, but moreover, it's vital you practice what you preach. Yeah. The kids will hone in on any hypocritical behavior. And if you're attending mixed weddings, social gatherings, they will say to you, well, you do that. Why can't I do that? Uh, and, and they'll be right, really. Uh, so you have we have to stop ourselves um and i know it's not hard but then that's what the reward is when you stick to the straight path that's that's the test and believe me you'll feel you'll feel less guilty as well i'm sure you've attended gatherings and you haven't liked it there's something inside we all have this natural fitra to be good and to be pure and when we attend these things i remember when i used to and i really didn't like it and i'm so much happier so what? I have less of a social life. I'm, I'd rather have less of a social life, but be more God conscious, inshallah. That, that's my intention. So, you know, please practice what you preach. And if you, you can say to them, look, I'm going to change. If they say, throw that in your face. So, well, you know what? If you, you're not, you're not going to go to prom, I'm going to stop going to these things as well. Let's do this together. Um, so to conclude, when our kids... Um, leave high school um, or college, they are at a crossroads, yeah? They're moving from the restrictions of school to the freedom of college or university. It's a delicate time. They're at the cusp of adulthood and to make the right choices, they need, they really need Islamic guidance. Inshallah, while prom may seem like the be all and end all of events for your teen at the moment, you and I know that it will soon become a distant memory. Inshallah, I um, hope you found that useful. Um, if you want to get in touch, send me an email, uk at gmail.com. Love to know what you think. Inshallah, take care and um, have a um, wonderful Jummah. Asalaamu Alaikum. <laughs>